I don't but, see how you can be hard on that. You either you either care about animals or you're an asshole. Like Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is the barely awake Peter. Wow, you caught that, did you? I did catch your yawn right before we did the intro, yes. <laughs> and the, why am I here, Cecil? I had about a, a liter of Mountain Dew, so I'm actually awake. <laughs> are you a little, are you a too, a little too awake? No, no. Uh, maybe if I had two liters of Mountain Dew, I would probably be really awake. But no, I just had a, uh, you know, a liter. So I'm I'm good. I, I needed it today. Well, it's the you... only thing that kind of brought that brought me up to, to functional today. Well, if you guys want a little bit of energy, you could always go to adamandeve.com. You could use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you would be able to get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping just for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. And also, especially if you're going to look for some of the movies we're going to talk about tonight, you might be having to visit some of the skeevier parts of the internet. And that's where you need the digital condom that is Nord. Nord VPN. You need a VPN. So what you do is you go to 1201beyond.com backslash drome VPN and you'll be able to get 75% off of a three-year plan for Nord service. They'll be able to protect your data, encode your data. You'll be able to get around region coding. You'll be able to get around viruses a lot easier. So go to 1201beyond.com backslash drome VPN and you'll be able to get a really good deal on Nord and you help us out a lot. What I want to talk about tonight is Italian cinema. Now, we did an episode years and years ago on rip-off exploitation, and that's obviously going to come up tonight because that's kind of baked right into Italian cinema. But I want to make take a more serious look at Italian cinema because I was watching The Beyond the other night. It struck me because, you know, The Beyond was shot in America, but with an Italian crew and a Ita- mostly Italian cast. It struck me as just how European the movie felt At the same time, it was trying to feel American. America through a very European, very Italian lens. In a weird way, that's what most of Italian cinema was. Because Italian cinema, what we think of was not made for Italians. It was made for Americans. I'll get into this in a little bit. There there was a thing, an era where Italian cinema was made for Italians and Americans could also enjoy it. But the stuff we love, that's Italians trying to make American movies, not Italians trying to make Italian movies, which makes them super unique, doesn't it? What aspect do you immediately think of when you think of Italian cinema? Kind of a, like, sort of a dreamy look. And this is particularly with Fulci's style. There was always that kind of Vaseline on the lens, very soft focus, very pretty looking cinematography. And this, again, is like something I always hearken back to with the styles of of people like Fulci, people like Bava, even like Michael Suave or Michela Suave. There's just that certain soft focus style that always uh, draws me in with these filmmakers. And I really, really enjoy it. I I just really like the way it looks. 
Primarily, it's in giallos, but even in non-giallo films, color is always very striking. Uh, they just they have a, a way of making the colors pop in a way that really didn't come through in a lot of other films. Uh, the reds were always very vibrant, the, and that goes for the colors red as well as their, you know, their usage of blood. Even the browns and the darker colors just popped more in a lot of Italian cinema. Which is one of the things I can't stand about the new Blu-ray release of of the original Suspiria. They, quote, color-corrected it and gave it that LED kind of looking red instead of those super deep, rich reds that the original had. And I think it just wrecks the movie. It it, it wrecks it, make, making it color-corrected. Stop wrecking movies with your, your damn color correction, but that's a whole different episode. I, I think the one you're talking about is like a very recent release. There's one I have from maybe four years ago. Oh, four no, yeah, years yeah, ago, no. I think. The one I'm talking about was one, just from no, last year. Oh, okay. No, the one I have is a while ago, and it's it's gorgeous. It's uh, it looks like the film. I was just offended at how they they seeped color out of a damn Argento film. Like you, you people have no idea what you're doing, do you? I think it's just weird. Uh, you get people involved that, like, when they're restoring films, I understand. You know, you kind of need to to change things a little bit. You need to kind of clean, you know, clean up the footage, obviously. But when you're color correcting to the point of where you can mask out like the darkness, like there's sometimes where the darkness is supposed to be there, and then they'll mask it out. You could like they'll they'll clean it up to the point and brighten it, and it's like well, you're removing like layers of the film you're taking away that aspect of it and sometimes like you said I, they don't really know what they're doing and i i just i'm confused with some of the people that will restore these things the worst i think is aliens james cameron's aliens on blu-ray where they changed it from his very intentional cold blues to that sort of puke green steel that all digital movies have and it's hideous it's i can't even look at the blu-ray for aliens and even cameron said that's i shot the way i shot it on purpose you assholes yeah that looked uh, the blu-ray looks disgusting yeah, it, but we're not talking about that. Let's stick with Italian yeah, cinema. Yeah, we'll save, save that for another day. Italian cinema, when it began, you know, it was a much smaller industry, obviously, than the well-established Hollywood at that point. It's not the Italian cinema we're thinking of. It's basically, if you go back to our, our art film episode, that's what Italians were making. Italians yes. literally looked at film as art. They didn't make film for commerce. If it made money, that's great. But they were making art. And also at that time in the early 60s in that most Italians didn't have television. When you went to the cinema, you went to see a movie. You didn't just go to kill two hours of time. That also plays into, as the 70s go along, Italy didn't get color television until the late 1970s. So still going to the cinema was what you did. In America, we were watching All in the Family and Good Times and all this. At home at night, you sat around the TV and had dinner. In Italy, you went and had dinner and you went to the cinema. So movies, at their core, meant a lot more in Italy, and then so you put a lot more artistry into it. You have this sort of bias against horror because they didn't think 
horror could be art. So it took until 1957 to get what we would consider to be the re- uh, a real horror film made from Italians, and that would be Riccardo Frida and, and Mario Bava's I Vampari in 1957. It bombed because they were like, horror? Italians shouldn't be making horror. Horror is that crass American garbage. Wow, did that change by the 70s, huh? Well, especially with names like Baba, because like like Mario Baba is like one of the one of the biggest names in in horror in general. So it's it's pretty hilarious how how that ended up evolving. It's funny because now when you think of older horror from like the 70s and 80s, Giallo is one of the first things that pops. You just think of horror in general. Most often you'll get somebody that will, when they're talking about legendary or just revered horror films, one of the first ones that will pop up ultimately is Suspiria. And then you get into a lot of the other very weird, surreal films that uh, that all very, very much you know entrenched in Italian cinema. Let's stick with Bava for a moment because he kicked off like i said with with i vampari but then in 1960 he made black sunday which just opened the floodgates at that point italians couldn't say horror wasn't cinema anymore and you had this whole wave of gothic and graphic cinema come out that eventually led into the giallos now the giallos were based on gialli which were these yellow covered basically graphic murder mystery paper it would be the equivalent of our pulps from pulp sci-fi and pulp horror in the 1930s, but this is the Italian version. And ironically enough, at first, most of those printed ones were just Italian translations of American murder mysteries, and then they started making their own. But the whole point of when they started making the giallos into movies, if you look at, like, Blood and Black Lace, and then you start moving through, like, Deep Red and stuff into the 70s, you notice something. They started abandoning and straying way too far from what a giallo was supposed to be. These giallis were murder mysteries. And then you had the directors getting way too deep into the gore and the sex, and then by the 70s, they weren't really giallis anymore. They were just graphic sexploitation films, but they were calling themselves giallis. They didn't even try to have a mystery anymore. It was all about the murder. And so you had a lot of Italians turning up their nose at their own subgenre. Wasn't there uh, one of the Emmanuels that ended up going in that direction? Why do we have even mysteries? We just want a murder film. And they those weren't giallis anymore. Obviously, with um, with anything, the more oversaturated it gets, the more the filmmakers will begin to lose the plot. I mean, the, the whole point of the gialli and the giallo was this whole murder mystery thing and very uh, moody. And, you know, you had the, the black leather gloves. You don't know who the killer is until until the end kind of thing and then eventually they just they just did become like exploitation slasher kind of films which is like that's fine i i do like a lot of those too but there used to be definitely more of uh like an artistry to it well and you brought up slashers and i think that is the giallis the giallos whichever word you want to use they both apply here those are proto slasher movies really yeah they were they were the original slasher films so it's kind of kind of ironic that they started to become more of like what 
America was doing with with the subgenre that Americans themselves kind of kind of ripped off to begin with, which is exactly what happened here. Because you had at this point, Italian movies were mainly being made for Italian audiences. Yes, they would be exported to America and usually re-edited, and they would make more money in America than in Italy. But then again, you've got a much larger country and a much larger film market in America than you do in Italy. So the Italian producers started seeing, we're making all of our money in America. Let's start making these movies for Americans. What they didn't understand is, one, the difference between a Hollywood production and an Italian production. They figured they could do the same thing faster and cheaper. They considered themselves a parallel to Hollywood, and in a way they were. What they didn't understand was quality meant more to Americans, because in Italy, when you had something like Jaws come out, they thought Devilfish, that was the same quality to them. They didn't, un- they didn't understand that this is not the same thing to Americans, especially Wait, because... Wait, you're saying The Last Shark was not the same as Jaws? I think you're thinking of Great White. <laughs> Great White. Great or White Jaws, was literally Jaws. Jaws Great to... White was... Yeah, they took footage from... <laughs> Universal sued them, and Universal does not let sh- go because there was just a couple of years ago there that was great white was directed by enzo g castellari and he basically remade jaws shot for shot with an italian cast with a couple of american actors like vic morrow in the quint role a couple of years ago maybe i don't know six seven years at this point they were doing an enzo g castellari film festival and great white was one of the selections universal still sent a cease and desist no you do not Wow. They have a very long memory at Universal. That film, I think, poked them hard because we're jumping around the timeline a little bit here. When, when all that Italian exploitation stuff was coming out, people like Ridley Scott were irritated all of the alien ripoffs. People like John Milius were irritated at all of the Conan ripoffs, things like that. But that was just, you know, hey, my movie got ripped off. Universal saw all of these shark movies and they were angry. And then they saw Great White and they said, all right, this this is a step too far. Literal plagiarism. And they're like, we have to make a stand. In a way, and I don't want to side with Universal, they were right. It is plagiarism. It's the exact same movie. I hate siding with Universal because they are a thorn in my side. Yeah, it, you do have to take things to a certain degree. I think that, although with, with some things, like when you have a, a very popular movie, of course you're going to have people that are going to do the knockoffs. And as they say, uh, imitation is the most, uh, what is it? Imitation uh, is the sincerest form of flattery. Form of flattery. Sincere form of flattery. And I would take it as, hey, my movie was such a success that there are people that are going to put out their own version of it. And a lot of times when a movie is a success and then the ripoffs inevitably come, a lot of times the ripoffs are like they find their own audience. They're entertaining in their own way. Going to, and this keeps in theme with the um, with the, the Italian films, all of the maxploitation films, all the yeah. post-epic films that came out that I adore would not have been possible if not for Mad Max and the Road Warrior. And they're all ripoffs, but they all do mostly their own thing. They're, they take like the theme, but then they kind of go in different directions with it. And it's not just a straight, you know, one, one copy paste. So I think if I was uh, to be uh, a director who made a movie that was so popular that it created an entire genre of ripoffs, I'd be pretty flattered. 
because like a lot of those great Mad Max knockoffs, like it came from the great white guy. It came from Enzo Castellari. He made a bunch of the best ones, like like you know Warriors of the Wasteland and things like that. Like he he really took the style and he ran with it and really did make it his uh, his own thing. Let's get back to what started this all off. The Beyond. Like I said, it's a very you know it's an it's an American movie made for an American audience, shot in America, taking place in America by foreign people who English is not their first language that really comes through in something like the beyond or cannibal apocalypse which i think was in atlanta georgia and you you had a lot of these films where the italian directors would love they loved to shoot in america they loved the movies almost always took place in America. They very rarely actually took place in Italy or other parts of Europe. It was almost always America. In a weird way, it was almost a fetish fetishization of Americana. Because you look at how many American flags are everywhere, how many American staples there are in these things. But just, let's just use the beyond as an example. A complete foreign version of what they think America is in an almost quaint sort of way isn't it well yeah because it's uh correct me if i'm wrong the beyond takes place in louisiana yes so it's a very like kind of like bayou uh you know voodoo kind of stuff very Um, southern american southern is not something you get in europe yeah so that was that was pretty pretty unique but it still feels like an italian film it has that that fulci dreamy kind of look to it it still feels very european as hard as it is trying to be like like an american production it still feels very very italian maybe the most italian feeling of fulci's work for some reason which and i and i love the beyond i think that that might be one of my my favorites of of his but it definitely still has that like uh very Vaseline on the lens, soft focus, dreamy Italian look, even though you have the dub work of like, oh, I'm in the bio battery in there. They're adding like the Americana accents and stuff. It's like, no, this is, I don't care where you're shooting it, what you're calling the characters. This is a very, very Italian production. That's one of the things that Italian cinema really had that gave it away. Because, you know, usually when you read the credits of an Italian movie, when you're watching the opening credits of like Raiders of Atlanta, almost every name on the crew ends in a vowel this is not yep. an american film but then you'll see a na- <laughs> but then you'll see directed by michael j paradise or vincent dawn or something like that and those those obvious this is what we think american names sound like and i just absolutely love so their pseudonyms are almost stereotypical rah rah merca names but they're always so far off the mark at the same time yeah, that's one of the things you always know. You'll see a name that you've never heard before, but it sounds so uh, almost stereotypically American, you know? Yeah, yeah, very, very, uh, you know, Martin Dolman, yeah, just so, <laughs> so American. And uh, it's just funny because over the years you've come to know the the directors who have done them, and it it just is funny that they would think that uh, by putting their name on there that would somehow change the perception of the film like if they had a Sergio Martino on there or uh you know Enzo G Castellari like people oh god it's an Italian director I think nowadays especially people would would definitely not look down on that as a bad thing especially when you look at all the foreign directors that we have 
personnel that are doing American films. They didn't understand American names. And this was hit hard for me when when my friend David Irons went to Italy and he went to he went to Luigi Cozzi's store, you know, where Luigi Cozzi will actually sell you a book. He's right there. And you can talk to him, although English is not a first language. And David bought a book on Luigi's movies for me, and he had Luigi autograph it for me. Luigi couldn't understand the name Josh. That's not an Italian name. It's not a name. He couldn't understand. There's like four or five attempts where he's crossed it out where he can't spell Josh in Josh Hadley. <laughs> so I have this book with all of these Luigi Cozzi crossing out where he can't spell my name because a movie like Josh or Joshua, that's literally foreign to someone like him. And, and that to me just epitomized how they just didn't get certain aspects of American culture. But then there, there were other things like as much as they were making these movies for the American market, they knew they weren't competing with Paramount and Warner Brothers and Universal, Fox and things like that. So they knew they were on the lower end, but they also knew they might, in some cases, they would make more money in general because while a Warner Brothers movie might cost $10 million and make $50 million, their movie is only going to cost $300,000 and make $50 million. So in a way, they were actually more profitable than Hollywood was just working on a completely different level. And like I said, they were faster, they were cheaper. One of the things that allowed this to happen was rarely, if ever, shot with live sound. They did not record live sound. Italian movies have that very sterile, very, just very kind of monotone dubbing. Even if it's the like the actors, like Fred Williamson dubbing himself, because he's doing it in a controlled booth. That's not him on set where maybe a, a, a cicada is making a noise in the background or something like that. It's that very cold, sort of in a way bland sort of audio that always is another big giveaway of Italian films is, whoa, that is not that person's voice which you so get a lot in a lot why, of these. Uh, that's why a lot of them are, are overdubbed or dubbed over because they they just wouldn't be shooting with sound. Well, well a lot of them they were they were filmed, the reason why they didn't record live audio is because many of them were using really uh, I forget there's one specific kind of camera that makes a noise that is so loud that it is picked up by the microphones so they just record without the audio because all you would hear is Fred Williamson <laughs> Fred Williamson said they sounded like washing machines the cameras Holy. that they used that that's the way yeah. and and he said that also made it very difficult to work because you're supposed to be concentrating on your dialogue or your acting and you've got this happening as well as because they know they're not recording live sound the crew's building a set in the next room you can hear the hammering people are ordering lunch because they don't have to be quiet and he said that actually made it way more difficult to actually act in an italian film than it did in like a black exploitation film they did get a lot of American actors in these because they still saw, as we're making this for an American audience, all the supporting cast can be Italian, all of the crew can be Italian, but we have to have an American star. And they could rarely afford A-list star. So what they would do is they would look for people who just used to be A-list, but just fell off the A-list. Because these people still have bills to pay. They still have mortgages. They still have they still have girlfriends to pay for. They still have alimony. But this was also attractive for a lot of these stars. Because especially in TV. Remember, at this time, there was this giant separation. You were a TV actor or you were a movie actor. Very rarely did you 
get to move from television to movies. That was a giant step. If you did, you were a bit part in a movie, or you were the second banana in a movie. This Italian guy, you can be the star in this movie, or you can be 18th build in a Fox movie. What are you going to do for the same money? You're going to take the Italian film. This isn't Italy, but James Earl Jones was once asked, post-Star Wars, this is right before Empire came out, why he would make a movie like Blood Tide with him and Martin Cove. And he's like, um, they paid me and my wife to take a vacation in the Greek Isles. I just had to pretend to kill an underwater monster for a couple of hours. Why would I not (laughs) do this? does always crack me up when there's this this question of where you get a serious actor they'll do like a monster film out of the blue or they'll do something that's very much against what they usually do they they don't look at it from the perspective of hey maybe they really like horror films but they normally you know but they are a drama actor and they wanted to do something like this like why demonize them for wanting to be in something like that like why not be like hey they're maybe trying new things or they're doing something a little different or maybe they're getting a free vacation out of it uh i know samuel jackson a lot of times said uh he was picking his roles by where they were filming because he would look to see uh you know in what proximity were they close to various golf courses he would pick the movies and be like okay well this is going to be near this golf course so when i'm not filming i can go and, and shoot you know 18 holes and or not or however many holes i don't know i don't so it's just funny that there is this weird stigma of when an actor does something and they're like oh well why are they doing this well you know what maybe they just wanted to but there was also a downside for an american to work on an italian film besides the audio issue that we already talked about and that is the language barrier in many many cases the bulk of the crew and even some of your other cast members that you're acting against don't speak english or english is very much a second or sometimes third language lance henriksen and james cameron have both said on piranha 2 they were about the only english speakers on the cast so cameron would have to speak in uh, in English to his assistant director who would then have to translate everything into Italian so the crew could get working and you can imagine especially as a first time director that James Cameron was just how goddamn infuriating that must have been and you you've heard this again and again yeah most of them don't speak English Charles Band when he made Empire Pictures, he was based in Italy. Technically, you could call him an Italian filmmaker. He's not really because the company was American. Almost all of Empire's pictures were shot at his studio in Italy, where they had Italian crews. On the Listen to the commentary from Stuart Gordon on From Beyond, and he talks about how if that, if that person is not talking, they're Italian and they don't speak English. His crew <laughs> didn't speak English, and you would all have to work through translators. And I can just imagine as a director how goddamn frustrating that must have been. Oh, for sure. It just adds uh, it just adds difficulty to the proceedings, like as if it's not already hard enough to put a film together. You have like this now you have this like newly added language barrier that you have to break through as well. So that would obviously be very, very frustrating. There was a movie from years and years ago called Nightmare Weekend, where it was French director with a French crew and a mostly American cast. The script, it was written in French, translated to English and then rewritten in French 
French. So there were two scripts, one that the cast and crew had that was in French and another script that the Americans had that was in English that was different from what the French one was. And then you had them try, like the director had a translator who was telling everybody what to do. So the director would give out a command, the crew would follow it, and then the cast would be like, huh? And they would wait for the translator to translate it to them. So it was just, the movie is is such a cluster because they're shooting two different movies. Neither one realizes what they're doing and the whole thing ends up not making a whole lot of sense and it just becomes this wonderful disaster. So I'm sure there's other tales like that they hired american stars that were either on the way up or the way down because of where they could get them price wise and then you had directors and cast and whatnot that didn't speak english and just threw them together and tried to make a film and it ends up just being a complete mess which is also why I think Peter brought up the word dreamlike, and there's a very surreal quality to a lot of Italian films, and I think that comes from the fact that a lot of the scripts are written by people who are not native English speakers. And I'm not looking down on people, oh, you don't speak English, get out of here. I'm saying, when you're trying to make this movie for an American audience, and you don't speak English natively, that's where you get some of that super clunky, weird dialogue. Remember how Ed Wood always had that pseudo- ponderous narration in his films that really amounted to nothing it just was all this this ponderous fluff you get a lot of that in italian films but it's in a sincere way because they don't understand english and they don't understand when this is translated this is just a bunch of nonsense you also get you also get this this weird thing that in italian movie because certain countries seem to have a style to them. Not I'm not just talking Richard Stanley here, but you look at a movie that's shot in South Africa and say you don't know it's a South African film. You tell me I'm wrong that it that there are films that just you go, God, this feels South African. Then you find out the director is from South Africa and you're like, there's just a certain South African filming style. It's almost something you can't even put into words. There's a Spanish style and there's definitely an Italian style. Even when you have an American like James Cameron on Piranha 2, that movie still feels so Italian. But in that case of that, you can see what would we would later know as James Cameron's touches, but it still has such an Italian style to it. And that, I think, is something that's really unique about Italian movies, even when, like, we've been talking about sci-fi and horror. Okay, the three of us, we did a, a whole documentary on Polizia Shetty's. You know, the, the Italian crime thrillers. Those all feel so Italian, don't they? Especially when contrasted with the same era's American crime thrillers, don't they? They certainly do. There's a real style to the uh, either Polizio Jetti or Polizio Tetsky. I think it's uh, you can say them both ways. It's very, very European. Just in, in the ways that they look, obviously the locations, there's a very unique style there. And uh, the, the music particularly, too, is always like very, very groovy. Right. Really, really great stuff. It definitely has its own vibe. Like it is so distinctly different from like the American crime films. Uh, like you can watch one and it, it, you, like even if you think, oh, this is going to be your standard crime film. Ten minutes in, you're like, no, this is not an American film. This is not an American crime film. It just it has a whole different feel and vibe to it. And that just sticks out. I don't want to say sticks out like a sore thumb because I don't mean that in a negative way. But I mean, it sticks out to the point of where it's so obvious that this if you didn't know that this was foreign, you would immediately know, even though it's in English. Just a few minutes in. Yeah. 
they're usually very, very mean as well. They, they, they're very, very violent. They're very, even if they're so like beautifully shot, like they're very rough kind of movies with, with a very mean spirit to them in a, in a very good way with this like very slick look and these very like kind of like the music is always really kind of moody and groovy. And it's like, there's such a, there's definitely like such a uniqueness to, to the Poliziotetsky style of, of filmmaking and, it's just it's just great. Well, there's also something else in Italian cinema that there are some weird contradictions that they have. For instance, and obviously this is not a hard and fast rule. You know, there are going to be ones that don't do this. There are going to be ones that do. But in general, the Italian film industry was extremely misogynistic. Go back and look at all those 60s, 70s, and 80s Italian films. Women are just brutalized in those films. But at the same time, they're fetishized as well. A lot of these were looking at the beauty of women that we want to tear down. And <laughs> I, I, I'm not going SJW here. You, you listen to people that talk about Lucio Fulci and they say he hated women. He would call them cows on set. He would treat them like cattle and he would treat the men, male actors, totally different. And then you look at his movies and you go, yeah, this is a guy who has a problem with women. You look at Fulci's films, this guy has a problem with women. I'm saying it, Fulci movies are overly misogynistic. The um, funny thing is, though, that the majority of his films, though, are very female driven. Yeah. So which is why I said there's that weird contradiction where he's fetishizing them at the same time. He's literally wanting to destroy them because, yeah, usually you've got like uh, there's a female star. Uh, usually there's like a female hero. But, yeah, he would be very, very mean to them on set. It, uh, it seems like. Now, this is more of a historical irony. So, Nazi exploitation was a big thing. Italians loved to make their Nazi movies. And it's like, you realize that they were your allies in World War II, right? You realize Italy was part of the Axis? So, <laughs> is that a weird contradiction that a member of the Axis powers got off on Nazi exploitation? That, that would be like us having a weird British exploitation thing because the British were our allies in World War II. It, it, it just, I don't know, the Nazi exploitation coming from Italy seems a little contradictory, doesn't it? <laughs> I think I think the, it more stood out that the filmmakers didn't necessarily agree with what the government was doing, and I think that's really all that stems from. Well, well yeah. I, I'm just saying, if you look at it in a broad sense, Italy was an Axis power. But, I mean, it, lumping them in with, with the Nazis is kind of it, not the same thing. They were literally you know, allies of the SS, Nazis, man. Like, SS well, Girls was about, like, a secret troop of Nazis that were Nazi killers. That was the whole point of that movie. Italian movies, Peter, I think you used the word rough, that they were, ver they were very rough. They were very mean. They're extremely violent. A lot of them are very, very graphically violent. And, and I usually think... End, a lot of them actually end on, like kind of a down note like hearkening back to even like the beyond like that's a brutally dark ending that's a fantastic ending too yes it is it really really is but we can't overlook one of the more mean-spirited aspects of italian cinema and that is animal cruelty there yeah. were no animal cruelty laws in italy at the time so if you see an animal get killed in an italian movie from the 1950s through the early 1990s odds are that animal really got killed and multiple multiples of them because they didn't do just one take. 
Cannibal Holocaust has multiple monkeys killed for that one scene. And I think that is something that, as much as we all love Italian cinema, and especially Italian exploitation, we cannot overlook the pure cruelty that is an- that the animal abuse. I am, uh, I-, I will never be okay with an animal being killed. There's, that's what special effects are for. There is never a reason. Okay, maybe the script calls for the, the, the monster to kill the, to kill the family dog. I'm fine with that. You don't actually have to kill a dog for that. That's what special effects are for. But in Italy, it was just easier just actually kill the animal. I remember we were watching uh, we were watching one of the fake Django movies. Uh, it was one of the Fulci westerns. I think it was Massacre Time with with Franco Nero. And of course, it's got eye damage in it because it's Fulci. A guy gets whipped in the eye because that's just Fulci's thing. At one point, they lay out a minefield and some horses run through and explode. And I went, God damn it. You know they really blew up f***ing horses for this. F*** you, yep, Lucio yep. Fulci. Well, I mean, there's a story with uh, with Lindsay for Cannibal Ferox where he wanted uh, Lombardo Radici to kill either like a crocodile or an alligator or, or some kind of animal. And he tried to convince him by saying that, you know, De Niro would do this. He would do that. And then Radici told him, if you got De- if you tried to get De Niro to do this, he would kick your ass all the way back to Italy. So he refused to, to kill an animal for that movie. They had to, uh, Lindsay had to use a stand-in. Night of a Thousand Cats, Hugo Stiglitz just drowns oh, cats in the pool. That is disgusting. And, and, which is why when I hear people talk nicely about Hugo Stiglitz, I'm like, fuck Hugo Stiglitz. No, fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Disgusting that guy. person. There's, um, now this isn't Italian, it's German, but um, I remember uh, when I was watching Necromantic, and the movie in and of itself is pretty disgusting. It's it's a girl who, well, it's a couple who are having sex with corpses, but they're not real corpses you know it's 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 like that's special effects so i'm watching it and i'm kind of laughing at like how absurd it is and then about halfway through the movie the bunnies um, yeah they 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 do a um the kids have the guys having a flashback he smacks a rabbit over the head cuts its throat and skins it i started crying i'm like that's that's like no like that's not probably probably a real rabbit that's the thing. It was a real rabbit. There was no, I mean, it absolutely was a real rabbit. Their special effects are not that good. It was oh. a genuine, you know, it was a real rabbit and it f***ed me up because I'm like, and then I've had people that are like, well, what do you care? It's, it's a movie about like people. F-ing. And I'm like, but that wasn't real. And my brain knew that it wasn't real, but then they got to a point of where this was real going to Italian movies, cannibal Holocaust. I think the turtle is probably one of the most vicious kills in that. And it's yeah. just, it just, it hurts because you know that like, that's real. And again, people are like, well, it's a movie about killing and oh, it's just animals. And it's like, well, no animal should ever be killed for a movie. Now, if the animal is dies like old yeller or something, they didn't really shoot the dog. You know, that's different. If an animal dies, it, it, that's the thing. If the animal it, it, dies. It, it, yeah, it, it's, it's like what I said. If the script says the monster kills the family dog, fine. But the monster didn't really kill a real dog on fa- on film for humanoids from the deep, you know? Yeah, right. They special, that's the thing. they special affected it. Yeah, it's it's special effects. It's a prop. It's a you know an animatronic or what have you. And there is a humongous difference between that. No animal should ever be killed on film for the movie. It's at least it's in wrong. the case of uh, 
in the case of cannibal holocaust a lot of those animals were later eaten by the actual natives that they were shooting with that like doesn't make it better dude i no. know it doesn't make it better but still it was uh monkey brains were a delicacy in papua new guinea and the deal was that when they would kill the monkeys the natives would eat the monkey brains but then you have something like cannibal holocaust which and i don't know if it's a willful ignorance or just grand mall shitheadedness where the movie is about how violent things are and, and things are getting out of control and the media is making it worse at the same time that's literally what the movie is doing it's doing exactly what it's supposedly commenting on do you not get what's happening here or do you not care that you don't get what's happening here well, that's just a film of pure debauchery to begin with. Like it's like Cannibal Holocaust really does live up to its reputation of being just one of the sleaziest films ever made. And of course, it's an Italian film. I mean, it uses one of the stars of the film is isn't it the dude from like Debbie Does Dallas or whatever, like the porn porn dude? Yeah. So it's got a porn star lead actor. It's got all these naked, literal, actual jungle natives that they were shooting with, like actual cannibals, just naked people all the time. You had the chick. The, the piece of wood rammed you know up her ass coming out of her mouth and that had to be like that was documented in court they had to prove that that was a special effect like this, this movie was literally thought of as an actual snuff film because all the actors had to sign all these waivers that you know they they had to use pseudonyms they they wouldn't really be credited because they really wanted it to be sold as a snuff film and it, it was a, a detriment to to Diodato because he actually had to go to court and provide evidence that these actors are are actually real and that they're still alive because when when people saw this movie when it came out they thought it was an actual snuff film and I'm not okay in the animal cruelty because I'm not going to back off of that so I've had people say that I'm 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 too hard on that kind of thing well fuck you anyone who says that I don't but, see how you can be hard on that you either you either care about animals or you're an asshole. Like <laughs> it's the absolute truth though. I mean, if whenever you hear about a serial killer, they're the ones that like used to torture animals when they were children. So yeah, if that's what you Dahmer don't... did. That's literally what Dahmer did. Yeah, it's what Dahmer exactly. It's what Dahmer it's what a <laughs> lot of them did. So yeah, if you I'm not saying like if if you just have that don't have that empathy where you see you don't see a problem in the fact that they're just randomly kill you know, well not randomly, but willfully killing an animal or multiple animals for a movie you just you don't have that you don't have that spark of humanity you are just evil it's you know it's missing yeah there's something wrong there do you guys know what philip k dick based replicants on for do androids dream of electric sheep he found what? some old nazi diaries of just you know like you know line nazi soldiers kind of thing you know n not the high ups or anything and one of the guys at the camp wrote in his diary that the screams of children are keeping him up at night he wasn't bothered by the fact that children were being tortured to the point where they were screaming he was being bothered by the fact that it was so loud he couldn't fall asleep and Good he got Lord. the idea these people are no longer human. They have no empathy. These are not humans. These are not human beings anymore. That's where yeah, PKD that's... got the idea for replicants from. Damn, but, that's heavy. But also, yeah. in Italian cinema, you do get... Let's do a hard right here, okay? You, you do get beautiful cinematography. And sometimes it's stuff you could not do in America. Zombies' famous scene with the shark, having an actual doped-up tiger shark with... An actor where you cannot see an air pack or anything on him in full zombie makeup 
and those are long takes. You couldn't do that in America. I remember when I saw Mako the Jaws of Death. That movie has so many actors in actual contact with real sharks. And these are, you know, Hollywood actors. But it was an Italian movie. And I just like, man, you could not shoot those scenes in America. You know the insurance company would never let you. So in a way, you get stuff in, in Italian cinema you literally would never get in America. It's such uh, a doozy because that that scene is iconic. That scene is incredible. It was used and... in a freaking computer ad a few years ago, remember? Oh, oh really? Yeah, I'll find the commercial no, I... later if you want. But yeah, they they used that in 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 like a, a Microsoft ad or something. Somebody was watching it on their computer, the freaking shark scene from Zombie. Now, the only this is this is my defense of that. As far as as far as I know, as far as everything that I've seen from that, the shark in and of itself was not harm. It was it just was drugged dr- up, but it was drugged. So not good. And I'm not defending the movie because I, I love it. But I think that like there is a big difference between having to drug an animal for a scene and having, you know, an animal tortured and killed for a scene. So it's it's not good. And I don't. I, I like I'm really, really like I don't like it, but still I you, you can't deny that it is pretty freaking incredible. The fact that they were able to pull that off and, and the animal and the actor didn't get killed because like you said, he's underground. He's underwater for a pretty freaking long time uh, in you know, zombie makeup some, in zombie makeup. Yeah, I I still like am blown away by that. Like it's just yeah, the 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 insurance on that would have just been astronomically high if they ever even like attempted to do that in American cinema. But I also want to talk a, a little bit about lighting because Italian movies, Peter brought this up near the beginning of the show, they always have a stark lighting. And it's it's not like everyone remembers an Argento movie with the red lighting cuz he's used that multiple times. Red and blue or like red and green yeah but on the other hand look at when and i don't mean black and white in a black and white film i mean a contract contrasted black shadows with white light look at phenomena slash creepers yes. that has such a and and this and i think this is what he was going for at the time it has an almost music video quality to that entire movie and that movie i think that is what he was going for because there is so much um like i think in general it was meant to be like a an, an mtv rock music video because well, you know, I, you've got i think literally music from iron maiden motorhead like think that is what he was doing and i don't mean this in the snide way it's going to come out that movie is a horror movie remake of bonnie tyler's total eclipse of the heart video <laughs> it does feel like it no i'm it serious really does. i'm serious you go watch total eclipse of the heart which that video came out like two years earlier and you watch phenomena i think that was argento saying i really like that because that video is also set in the girls school with those long yeah. hallways with the flowing curtains i think he said wait a minute wait a minute i saw this video from bonnie Tyler, I can make a horror movie out of this. And he did. <laughs> you you tell me that that scene where she's like, I love you, I love all of you, and her hair is all floofed up, and the bugs are at the windows, and she's beautifully backlit with the contrasting shadows coming from yeah. the front of the camera. You tell me a Bonnie Tyler music video is not about to break out. Well, there's definitely there's definitely a vibe there for sure, uh, and that's the that's the vibe that it has of that of that exact music video. And I I do feel like if it's not that video, like I said, it's definitely meant to have the style of like an MTV rock music video of that time. Anybody 
who doubts that, well, just listen to the soundtrack of the film. Not just the soundtrack, those dream sequences where she's going down the hall on that. Yeah. That, 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 that straight could have been out of, of a Pat Panatar video. Absolutely. I mean, you could swap most scenes in Phenomena Creepers into a music video and you wouldn't be able to tell. And I think that is both well, kind of cheap like the, on, uh... it's kind of cheap on Argento's side at the same time god damn does that movie look amazing it looks awesome and even the uh even the score by i believe it was claudio simonetti it was by the goblin of goblin yeah and even that score even for him is very much more like rock based oh it's it's like it's like a rock opera with that oh with the heavy metal guitars underneath it it's 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 it's, it's almost a rock opera score exactly yeah turn around bright eyes <laughs> See, whenever I heard Turn Around Bright Eyes, all I could think of was Planet of the Apes because she called Taylor Bright Eyes. So I always thought, is that like a Planet of the Apes reference or am I reading way too much into it? Have I seen way too many movies? <laughs> I think in that case, you might be reading a little too much into it, but who knows? You know, maybe she was a really big fan of uh, Planet of the Apes. When it comes to Italian cinema, Unfortunately, nowadays, nobody thinks of the artistry because I actually got crap on our... Okay, when we did our art film episode, I expected to get a lot of crap for shitting on Malik. I actually got a lot of support for that, which kind of shocked me considering if you listen to that episode, what, what made that episode happen. At the same time, remember I said there are movies like The Beyond and things like that that I think qualify as art films. And I think that is one thing Italian cinema had to it. Not not everyone, obviously. There's not a lot of artistry in Warriors of the Wasteland. On the other hand, there is a lot in 2019 after the fall of New York. There's a lot of artistry in Italian films. And I think that's owed sort of to that surreal, dreamlike, I, I don't like to keep harping on that, but only way to put it. When you watch an Italian film, especially if you're going in cold and this is not a cinema you grew up on like we all did, it always feels like a dream that you only half remember that you're trying to describe to somebody else. Because the plots rarely make sense. They're cut in a very weird way, editing-wise. There's not a lot of logic applied in Italian films and that's not necessarily bad no yeah they're going just based on what the idea for the movie is going to be and they don't really care if a lot of it's going to make sense it's just for the sake of making the movie and making sure that it looks as i mean not obviously not with every single of these filmmakers but i mean when, when you look at the works of bava when you look at the works of sergio martino of fulci of argento they always went out of their way to make their movies just look real real pretty and this is with with martino whether we're talking about torso or we're talking about like something like hands of steel or 2019 like his movies always looked really good and there definitely is something to the italian film stock style that just looked so great and it looked very dreamy lots of great uses of uh usage of, of soft focus and lighting and i guess it's to do with that like weird super loud heavy camera that sounded like a, a washing machine that they couldn't use audio for because i guess the the best things these were for was for the visual and i'm guessing this was the same case for the likes of uh, like sergio leone as well because those movies were, were dubbed as well using some 
American actors and some Italian actors. Of course, you had Clint Eastwood and then Lee Van Cleef and then everybody else was uh, speaking Italian. And those movies, again, too, those for like the spaghetti Western genre looked amazing, looked great, looked so Eastwood just looked huge in those movies, just like really monstrous and, and gigantic, like a like a oak tree or something. Just really beautiful looking films. And I think that's that's something that can be said about the Italian subgenre film and about the Italian film market in general, at least for some of these more kind of named directors, is that they just look really, really nice. There was something about the Italian film stock that is definitely apart from um, every every other film industry in the world. There's something about the Italian film stock that, that stands out in, uh, in a very beautiful way. Look at a movie like Martino's Island of the Fishmen versus the Roger Corman Screamers. When we talked about it in our Creature from the Black Lagoon ripoff episode, we both agreed, while we like the Screamers footage better because it's it's just more exploitation-y and it's, you know, the, the better lighting, just look at how the American Jim Wynorski footage from Screamers absolutely contrasts so hard with the Martino Italian footage in that movie. Yeah, it does really stand out. You can it's one of those instances where you can tell who's directing one scene just by looking at it. You don't even <laughs> have to guess. It's like this uh, is Winorski, this is Martino. So yeah, definitely. It really sticks out. There is an amazing array of uh Italian films out there. Some of them are ripoffs. I would say a lot of them are ripoffs, but uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they are bad films. It just means that they are taking uh from a more popular film and did their own variation of it. Uh, some of them are some of my all-time favorite movies. I love 2019 after the fall of New York and vast majority of the post-apocalyptic films. Uh, that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the fact that they were doing these kind of things. Uh, there's beautiful movies out there. Uh, Phenomenon, uh, Suspiria, all of them. Uh, Phenomena. The Phenomenon's the John Travolta movie. Phenomena. <laughs> Phenomena. <laughs> But uh, you know what I'm talking about. The you know. So anyway, there's Mountain Dew is wearing off. It certainly (laughs) is. I need a refresher. I think that uh, there's a lot of beautiful films out there that uh, if you haven't seen them, you should give them a shot. And even if you're if you're afraid that it's foreign cinema, uh, the vast majority of them were filmed in English. It's just that they were shot in Italy and then they were dubbed in English because of the aforementioned uh, audio problems. Loud ass. Not like. Yeah, so it's not like uh, it's bad translations. It's just uh, the the dialogue was bad to begin with. The person doing the dubbing is not the actor. They're just following the script. They don't know what the, you know, if the actor added a synonym or a the or something, that's where you get the out of sync lips because the actor in the booth is reading from a script. I have a feeling our audience is probably already well versed in these, but if you aren't, you definitely should check a lot of them out. You're missing out if you're not looking at some of these older uh, Italian films. I just kind of wanted to mention Bruno Mattai because we didn't we didn't talk about Bruno, Bruno Mattai very much, and especially because near the end of the episode we started talking about rip exploitation. And if we're going to talk about that, we're going to talk about the guy that's made films like Strike Commando and uh, Terminator Two, aka Alienators, which is no no Terminator. The, 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 Terminator that was shocking aliens. dark. That was shocking dark. Alienators is oh, a Fred Olin Ray movie. No, that's right. Yeah, Shocking Dark, aka Terminator Two, which is Aliens, Terminator, and Megaforce. The Megaforce is literally 
actually in the movie. And he honestly, I think he's a very underrated filmmaker in his own right, too. He he definitely had that soft focus look to his films. He had great usage of color. Rats, Night of Terror looks great. Hell of the Living Dead looked awesome. Even even like SS Girls looked looked beautiful. Like I think Bruno Matai was a very underrated Italian filmmaker. One of the best when it came when it came to the uh rip exploitation style. I mean Robo War, which was a knockoff of like Terminator, Robocop, and Predator. And it's got Red Brown just screaming at you all the time and it's great. So that's definitely one one to check out. We didn't really talk about too much because I think we spent more time with uh, the likes of uh, Bava and Fulci. Well, we we did an entire ripoff exploitation episode well, years well, ago, yeah. so I didn't yeah, want to just did. retread that. But for those that maybe didn't catch that episode, definitely check out Matai, aka Vincent Don, aka Jordan B. Matthews. Uh, AK, what's his other one? I think he had like another name. He had like a dozen different names. He did, he yeah. He was like the king of of pseudonyms. And, and see, I think Italian cinema, because it started to die out, for one, home video started to erode this the way it did so many other drive-in style genres, because these were drive-in kind of movies, as well as yeah, there was, the, 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 yeah, the, the tax credit system changed in Italy as new governments came in, and it just sort of died out in the early 90s. Now, that doesn't mean Italian cinema died out. Exploitation side died out. I think yeah. Italian cinema, go back and watch some of that early stuff. Stuff like I Vampari or Black Sunday and oh, Black Sunday is gorgeous. That is just a beautiful, beautiful film. Agreed. And you go and look at those, even stuff like The Beyond or Zombie or Manhattan Baby, they look amazing. Italian cinema is discounted today as nothing more than rip-off exploitation. Even somebody like Bruno Mattai, he's known as the king of the rip-offs. But you look at the hundreds of movies he's directed maybe 25 to 30 that are ripoffs he made a lot of and when i put original i'm i'm putting it in quotes original films that are just stock horror films or stock sci-fi movies that aren't ripping off a specific thing he's known as the king of the ripoffs and i don't think that's fair i call him the the king of ripoffs for a reason i i just think he's like the best at it because the way he utilizes multiple plots and multiple ideas and it somehow becomes like its own thing like rats is essentially a knockoff of like mad max and night of the living dead but it becomes its own totally unique movie like there's something so weirdly original about a movie like rats like there, there's not a movie like it uh and as far as the characters go as far as the mood goes like it's a very beautifully shot very beautifully usage of color post-apocalyptic mutant rat film and it's just fantastic it's just great and the ending has you go all right then <laughs> oh, the ending makes the film even better yes that is a great ending oh my it's god one of the most out of left field endings that i don't care who you are no one ever in the history of the world could have ever seen that ending coming no yeah that that ending with you big time <laughs> we are ending the show where can people find the cecil if they would wish to have a rat in a yellow april o'neill jumper come at them <laughs> Uh, I had used that as my avatar for a while. I remember that. <laughs> I did too. It's <laughs> great. You can find me at uh, goodbadflix.com as well as goodbadflix on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and 1201beyond.com. 
And where can we find Peter? We've we make we've made the rape ape joke many many episodes, but because this is an Italian episode, you've got to be you. She can make baby. <laughs> you can make baby. You can find the 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 genuine real deal rape ape over on the Twitteris at Zinematica. You can find me on Facebook. The Cinematicist. Find me on YouTube. The Cinematicist, of course, on Twelve One Beyond with other fine programming and at Patreon at Zinematica. Give me your money. And you can find me at Twelve One Beyond Remember the Nord code at Twelve One Beyond backslash Jerome VPN. We also have a Patreon. We could really use your help. Money is super, super bad right now. So even if every single person who listens to this episode would donate one dollar, I could actually maybe eat more than a meal a day but that said guys try to be a cut above keep one foot in the gutter one fist in the gold have a good night
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.